You know, I appreciate Audrey sharing her story with us because it reminds us of what is important in life. I mean, can you imagine being given a new heart, being given a second chance on life? That would be truly amazing, wouldn't it, to to have that second chance on life? But that's what Jesus has given to all of us. He's given us that opportunity to find new life in a way that we've never had it before. You know, and if, if what Audrey shared doesn't put perspective on life, I don't know what can put perspective on life. But despite her having received a new heart, she still struggled with letting go of what really doesn't matter. You know, the last thing she's told us was that she acknowledged that faith is a journey, that we're a work in progress. But she really wanted to know how does she let go of that baggage? And I think some of us here today, like we've got baggage. We may not even realize we have baggage, but there's things that are holding us back from serving the Lord. So how do we let go? Because I believe if we can let go, we will have a great Christmas. And this morning we're starting a new series, a Christmas series. It's called Travel Light, Leave Your Baggage Behind. So my name is Greg Vaccaro. I'm one of the pastors here. I'd like to welcome you all to Shiloh. Thank you for those of us that are joining online. And we're going to be looking this Christmas series at, at what does it mean to travel light? What does it mean to leave our baggage behind? And uh, sound person, if you could put the uh, slides up on the back screen, that would be great. So what we hope to do over the next few weeks is to remind us that this world is not our home. Right? We're not living here as, as believers, as people that follow Jesus Christ. This world is not our home. There's something way much more than this world. So we travel through life. It's amazing how much of the wrong stuff that we can accumulate. We'll accumulate hurts. We'll accumulate junk. We'll, we'll sometimes have seeds of discontent, and, and we never know what the seeds of discontent are going to grow into. But this series is going to talk about letting go of some of the stuff that holds us down, that weighs us down, that holds us back, so that we can really live a life that will be honoring to God. So we're going to talk in this series about letting go of distractions, letting go of bitterness, letting go of control. That's going to be a hard one, letting go of control. <laughs> Get ready for that one. Um, we're also going to be talking about, on, on, in January, letting go of the past so that we can take hold of the future that God has for us. So how many of you are ready to have a great Christmas? Are you ready? Okay, if you're ready on three, I want you to say I'm ready. Ready? One, two, three. I'm ready. Okay, you asked for it. Now, the, uh, the title of the message this morning is Letting Go of Stuff. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Greg, you're taking the Sunday after Black Friday and talking about letting go of stuff? I just bought all this stuff. Or maybe you're planning Cyber Monday like I got my list. And believe me, I have a list. I always have a list. Um, Yeah, I'm not necessarily talking about buying less, although that's not a bad idea to buy less this Christmas. But I want to talk about the hold that stuff has on us. And how do we let go of that hold? How do we really be free from some of the baggage that baggage sometimes is stuff? Now, for those of you that are Black Friday shoppers, do you remember the years when Sports Authority had, you know, show up at 10 o'clock at night and everybody in line gets a $5 gift card and an opportunity to win a $500 shopping spree? Remember that, Sports Authority? 
Yeah, they went out of business. I wonder why. <laughs> but I was there. If you're giving away something free, I'm going to be there. But now it seems like Black Friday starts in September, and the lure of the Friday after Thanksgiving, it just doesn't matter anymore. Um, so I'm curious, how many of you like to shop in the store? You only shop in stores. How many of you prefer shopping online? All right, wow. I just wanted to know. It's got nothing to do with my message, but thank you for sharing that. Um, so we're talking this morning about letting go of stuff, and I want to start by reading in Matthew 1. This is the account that, that Matthew told us about the birth of Jesus. And it says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel told him, you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, the baby lying in a manger that we celebrate on Christmas grew up to be the sinless man that on Easter we talk about Jesus, the man, sinless man going to the cross, being crucified to save us from our sins. What an amazing story. So what did Joseph do after he heard all this from the angel? Verse 24 says this, Joseph woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and he took Mary as his wife. Now Luke's account of the, of the Christmas story is a little bit different than Matthew's account. Luke tells us some things that we don't see in Matthew's account. He tells us that during this time when Joseph took Mary and she was pregnant and, and it came closer for the birth, that there was a, a Roman emperor named um, Augustus that said that a census should be taken throughout the entire Roman Empire and everyone needed to travel back to their place of ancestry. So for, for Joseph, where he was living was Nazareth, but that wasn't his place of ancestry. He was a, his ancestor was King David, and he needed to go back to Bethlehem. Now, this journey was like a 70-mile journey. 70 miles more as the crow flies, but Mary, remember, was pregnant, right? How many of you would love to take a journey on a donkey for seven days while you're just about ready to give birth? Anybody? No. I see a lot of women shaking their, shaking their heads. I don't think Joseph wanted to ask Mary to do that either, right? He's probably like, oh, how am I going to tell her we got to go back? They probably took the 90-mile route because that was a little flatter. The 70-mile route took you, took you up and down hills. So it was probably closer to the seven days that it took them to travel, day after day after day. Now, we don't see in Scripture, it doesn't tell us that they had pack donkeys or they had servants, you know, carrying all their stuff, fanning them or keeping, you know, warming up their food for them. It was probably just the two of them and one donkey and whatever they could fit on the donkey. Not a lot. Not a lot of stuff. So the first thing I think we can learn from the Christmas story is that sometimes obeying God requires leaving stuff behind. Would you agree? Right? What, what could they have brought on one donkey 
and Mary is sitting on that donkey. You can't bring a lot. You're, you're going back to this place. They're leaving everything, most of their things, behind. So this Christmas, as we're talking about letting go of stuff and letting go of baggage, um, I started to, to think about, hey, what does it mean to me? What does it mean to let go of stuff? How do I know when stuff has a hold on my life? You know, and as I, as I just started to wait on the Lord, I, I came up with a couple of different things I want to share, see if they might resonate with you. They resonated with me. These are telltale signs maybe that stuff has a hold. This idea that you, you are what you have, what you own, what you drive, or what you wear. You know, and, and for me, when I think about it, sometimes, hey, if I'm wearing great clothes, don't I feel better about myself, right? Or if I've got that nice label in the closet, I'm like, wow, I've, I've arrived. I used to buy the, the generic brand, and now i got a name brand. I'm a somebody. Or when my car is a different make, and it's a fancy make, and someone says, wow, love that car. Like, that's usually what I'm saying to other people. But if someone would say that about me, like, hey, stand a little taller. You know, or, or, or maybe it's, I shop because it feels good. Do you know that 66%, the research shows, 66% of us shop because it feels good. So I'm not alone. There's two-thirds of you out there that may be like me, where you just enjoy shopping. Like, if you haven't heard, my, my gig is watching infomercials. I'm kind of banned from watching infomercials, so now I get them as an email. It's like the latest gadget, so no one can, can know if I'm looking at the, oh my gosh, what is happening, right? How about this? Have you ever asked yourself, have I used all these things in the last year? Right, all the stuff that you bought, have you used it in a year? Now, I'm the master. Like, if you look in my garage, I save some stuff. And I don't save it just because I want to save it. But I had this little piece of plastic PVC pipe that was left over from some job I was doing. And then I was trying to put up Christmas lights, but the tree had gotten taller and I couldn't reach in the ladder. Do you know if you take a little PVC pipe, you put the, the light in the end of it, you can lift it up really high and you can put the lights up on a much higher tree. So, like, sometimes saving things in your garage can be helpful. I'm just saying but I probably save more than I need. And then the last telltale sign for me is everything doesn't have a place. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Meg and I bought, bought new bedroom furniture, right? And I, I have this new five-drawer dresser. It's, it's amazing. It's huge. And I put all my clothes in the dresser, and then oh, there's all the stuff that doesn't fit in the dresser. So I've got one shelf over my rack in the closet, and on that shelf goes everything else. And sometimes it stays up there, sometimes it falls down into the closet, and i got to put it back. But when I find I don't have a place for everything, I probably have too much stuff. So what if the stuff we have is robbing us of the life we want? Right? What, what if that's the case? So maybe you can relate to some of those telltale signs about stuff. Maybe you can't. But if I were, if I were to ask you this morning, do you consider yourself rich? What would you say? How many of you would be bold enough to raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm rich. I'm not ashamed. Eva's rich. Praise the Lord, Eva. That's awesome. No, I know we're all rich in Jesus and all that. No, but do you consider yourself monetarily, physically rich? But did you know that if you've got a roof over your head, you got food in the refrigerator, you drove a car to get here, you've got access to internet, drinking water, all those things that we take for granted, you're in the top 5% of the richest people in the world. We are. We don't realize it, but we are all rich. 
And I want to read something that Jesus said to those, to a, a man that was probably a lot like us. He came to Jesus. He was a rich man. Maybe he didn't realize he was rich, but he was rich. He came to Jesus, and he wanted Jesus to settle a dispute. And this is what we find in Luke 12. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. You know, what a poignant uh, statement there. Life is not measured by how much you own. Right? It's not he who dies with the most toys wins. Right? Life isn't measured by how much you own because we're not living for this world. We're living for eternity. But Jesus said this, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Did you know that there was different kinds of greed? I always thought like you just either got greed or you don't have it. But Jesus said, no, guard against every kind of greed. What are those different kinds of greed? So in his book, Godonomics, Chad Hoven suggests that there's four areas of greed. Let me see if any of these fit. So the first greed is hoarding. Now, no, I'm not talking about hoarding where, like, you can't walk through the rooms in your house because you got stuff piled up over your head. That's not the kind of hoarding I'm talking about. This type of greed, Chad says, it, it tends to find a home in the heart of the conscientious, the disciplined, or the organized person. It preys on a person's ability to diligently set aside savings, adding regularly to the total. Of course, this is something that we should all be doing, right? Saving money, that's not bad. However, greed in the life of a hoarder leads him to believe that he can't be generous with his money until he's set aside enough money for the next big purchase, retirement, or for something else. And how much is enough to set aside? Enough is always just a little bit more. So if we find that we've got hoarding, right, it's rooted in insecurity. Insecurity that, you know what, if I don't prepare for a rainy day, God's not going to be there for me. It's really insecurity that we can trust God as our maker. That, that enough is never enough. It's always just a little bit more is going to be enough. So what I have, I can't give it away. I can't be generous. I got to hold it because I never know what's going to happen. That's what the greed of hoarding looks like. I got a good idea if, if you're a hoarder, right? Maybe consider participating in the Make a Difference Drive. It's a way to, to give away what you have. You can give money. You can take some more tags off the tree. There's still tags there. Just a thought. So that's hoarding. Overspending. This form of greed fits easily into the life of an impatient person. An overspender confuses needs with wants and as a result buys things they need someday, but not right now. You know, Lest you think this never happens to you, I'm going to be fully transparent here. I was working on this message from Wednesday all the way to, to this morning, right? On Wednesday, I went to a store, and guess what I found in that store? I found this grommet installation kit. Did you ever just need to put in a grommet, and you never knew, like, how do you put in a grommet? I'm like, wow, it's two bucks. That's amazing. I got to get it, because you never know when I'm going to need to put in a grommet. Now... I don't have anything I need to put in a grommet right now. I know it was two bucks, but if any of you need to put a grommet in, I would gladly give this to you because I don't really need this. I might even return it to the store. But we do this. We do this. We buy things that we think we need, but we really don't need. They're more wants. Comparison. People with comparison greed can be competitive 
and that it's imperative to match the lifestyle of someone else. It drives them to spend and keep on spending as a way to show that they're equal with their neighbor, their friend, or their coworker. Now, maybe you think, I've never, I've never, I don't got the greed of comparison. The greed of comparison happens to me every year, and it happens to me every year as I go shopping for one of my sons or my son-in-laws, because I'm like, well, I'm going to get my son-in-law this nice pair of boots. I should have a pair of boots like that. It's buy one, get one free. You know what? I should just get one for myself. Or I'm, I'm buying David a, a pair of ski goggles. I'm like, my ski goggles are crappy. These are really nice. I should buy one for Dave and buy one for myself. So comparison greed comes up every year when I go. Meg's laughing because she knows it's true. She's like, you love shopping because it's buy one for you, buy one for me. I, I don't know. Comparison. Entitlement greed. The feeling that someone else owes you something. People with entitlement greed could be any one of us, no matter what our net worth is. Sometimes we think entitlement greed only happens to those that don't have enough. No, it happens to those who have a lot as well. Right? So the face of this greed displays a lack of gratitude and often reveals anger. Entitlement sends people on a consuming binge. It's easy to accept the mistaken idea that rich people are the greedy ones, but even those who have little can fall into the greed of entitlement. So what does the Word of God have to say about um, letting go of stuff? Right? I, I looked, and Ecclesiastes 4.4, I think, puts it the best. It says, Better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Right, better to have one handful with tranquility than to have two handfuls where you're chasing after the wind and you're toiling to just get more and more and more. So let's say that together. Read, read verse 6 with me. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Let it settle for a minute. Right? What does it look like to have one handful with tranquility? Right? I think of tranquility as its contentment, its peace, its joy. Better to have one handful with simplicity, one handful with margin in your life. To have assurance, to have confidence, the ability to be generous, to have a heart of blessing. Than to have two handfuls and you're always chasing, chasing more, chasing just a little bit more. You know, we say that Shiloh is a generous church, and it is. But Shiloh couldn't be a generous church if we didn't have generous people coming, right? So the point of this message this morning and the point of travel light for today is letting hold of the stuff that has a hold on our lives. So why is one handful better? Think about it. If you got one hand full, then one hand is what? It's free. One hand is free that, that we can help someone when they're down. One handful is free so we can help someone in need. We can help someone who's hurting. We can encourage them. Right? Better is one handful with tranquility and two than two with toil and chasing after the wind. Because when we have one hand full, we have another hand saying, God, what is it that you have for me to do? God, how do I go and, and fulfill what you want me to do? So, so what's another way to say it? It's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what matters. You know, so as we're here in this Christmas season and starting off this series, I want us to consider this. What would one step look like for you, one step further towards letting go of what you have in both hands and, and only holding on to something that you have in one hand? 
right? What, it would, what would it look like for us to take a step towards living in tranquility rather than having two hands full and chasing after the wind? Are we working just to accumulate more on earth that we can't keep? Are, are we allowing greed to come in and we're buying things we don't really need, just maybe someday we might need them? What would it look for us to become more kingdom-minded this Christmas? Because I think even as Audrey said, if we can learn to let go of the baggage, we're going to have a really great Christmas. You know, and I think there's a lot of us that we've been chasing after this, chasing after that. We've believed the lure of the commercials on TV. If you get more stuff, you're going to be happy, you're going to be content, you're going to be secure. No, you're not. You're just going to have more stuff. Right? The happiness, the contentment, the security, where does it come from? It doesn't come from things we can find on this earth because we weren't created for this world. We were created to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came as the baby in the manger. That's why he went to the cross and died. For our sin, that we could be in relationship with him. So if, if you're here today and you're like, Greg, I, I've gone to church all my life, but this relationship you're talking about, I'm not sure I understand what that means. You know, come up after service closes. I'd love to explain it to you. But Jesus says in his, in his word that if we give him our heart and we confess him as our Lord and our Savior, that we'll be saved from our sin. I'd love to pray that with you after service today. For those of us that have made Jesus our Lord, what would it look like today instead of chasing after the wind with two hands, we'll have one hand full with tranquility. Maybe it would be serving at the full circle Christmas event. Maybe that's the way you find margin and you want to give back. Maybe it's going to 1269, serving at the food ministry, doing something nice for your neighbor. I don't know. But can we be, can we be intentional about saying, God, I don't want to have both hands full. I want to let go of what I have so now I can help a friend. I can help a neighbor. I can have margin in my life to have an important conversation that maybe I was too busy because I got to get this, get that, and be driven for all the other things this Christmas season. If we struggle with joy this Christmas... We're not going to find joy in what we purchase. We're not going to find joy in stuff. I, I believe God wants to give us freedom to know that joy only comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy only comes in getting closer to what our Father has intended us for us to do, which is live in a way that's, that shows others his light and his love. We were created to have a relationship with Jesus. The babe born in a manger was, was crucified on Calvary to save us from our sin. So as we close, would you stand with me? And I'd like to pray for all of us this morning that God wants to set us free. But I don't know what he wants to set you free from regarding stuff. Only you know what your stuff is. Only you know what you're holding on to in a way that you'd say, God, both hands are full. I'm chasing after the wind. I'm toiling. Lord, I, I want to lay some of it down. I only want to have it in one hand that I can have another hand. Would you ask God, what is that that you can let go of? And as well, if, if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus I'm talking about, you don't have a relationship with him, I'm encouraging you, would you come up after service so that I can pray with you? Let's close our eyes and just pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, that as, as we're here this morning, God, this is an opportunity for, for us to come to you, Lord, and, and just to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you show us what it looks like to have one hand empty and only one hand full? 
that we can have tranquility in our heart, Lord. We can have that contentment and that peace. Lord, we don't want stuff to have a hold of us, so I pray for your freedom to come upon us, Lord. If, for, for those of us that, that have the, the greed, Lord, we're, we're like the person that... Uh, I, I just think about the man in, in the Bible that he had his barns full. This is found in Matthew. He had his barns full and... He thought to himself, you know, what am I going to do with all of my crops? I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns so he could fit all of his stuff. And as soon as he had built the bigger barns, he passed away. It was over. What was the sense in going after the bigger barn? And, And Lord, some of us today, we're going after the bigger barn. Lord, we don't need the bigger barn. We need to give away the excess crops that we can't fit in the barn we have. So Lord, show us. Show us what that looks like. We thank you, Jesus, that we want to live this Christmas. We want to we enjoy life. Father, I thank you for the new heart that you have given us. Lord, let us let go of the baggage. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. If you want prayer, please come, come up. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great Sunday. Yeah.